Genesis 27 to begin with this morning, Genesis 27. Genesis 27, let's just read from verse 46. It says, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to uh, Pandanaram. Uh, to the house of Bethuel, my mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Lord, and Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for the uh, opportunity, the privilege to gather together in this place and to come and spend some time considering your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, empower me now through the, the Spirit, as only you can. And that, Lord, this morning it would be your words, it would be your thoughts. And that, Lord, you would uh, bless us, refresh us by your word, challenge us this morning. And may we uh, leave, Lord, singing your praises and giving all glory and honor unto your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> now, if you remember, we concluded... Uh, last Sunday evening by considering Esau's hatred and his bitterness uh, towards his brother Jacob. Uh, in chapter 27 there in verse 41, <clears throat> it says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And so he was determined to kill his brother. He blamed all of his problems upon his brother. Problems that, as we saw, were in fact the result of his own sin, his carnal life. Uh, but rather than admit his sin and humble himself before God, he chose to blame others, and in particular, he chose to blame his brother Jacob. Now, so much so that he desired now to kill him. And from verse 42, we see that Rebekah, she's made aware of Esau's plans to kill his brother. Uh, in verse 42, it says, And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, proposing to kill thee. <clears throat> and so some of the servants probably overheard Esau talking about this, or he's, or he's expressed his anger and expressed his desire to them. But anyway, it come, the word comes back to Rebekah. She knows what he's planning to do. And so she once again springs into action, as we've seen her do before. Uh, she calls for Jacob and she instructs him to leave home for a period of time. We see that there in verse 43. It says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And so the plan is clear. The plan is that Jacob, <coughs> he will leave home and he'll go and dwell with his uncle Laban until Esau's anger has uh, died down towards him. 
Now, as I mentioned last, last Sunday, Rebecca believed that this would only be for a few days, in other words, a short period of time. And it ended up being uh, 20-odd years before Jacob would return. Now, having heard this instruction from his mother, we might have then expected to read in verse 46 of him immediately fleeing in the night, you know, immediately finding the, the, the quickest option to get out of there and to flee and, and get away from his brother. But instead, what we learn from verse 46 and the start of chapter 28 is that he actually stays around and he waits until he has the blessing of his father, until he has given instruction by his father in this matter. And so this morning, we want to focus our attention on Jacob's flight unto Laban, and we want to look at the characters involved here. We see, first of all, here this morning, Rebecca's counsel. <clears throat> Rebecca's counsel there in verse 46, it says, And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Now, as I mentioned, Jacob doesn't just immediately flee in the night. He doesn't, you know, sneak away in the dead of night without talking to his father about all this or anything like that. He actually, <clears throat> he, he waits and there, there seems to be no haste here. He seems to understand that he has time. I mean, verse 41 tells us, as we just read before, that Esau was determined to kill Jacob when his father died. Okay? And so he was waiting until his father died before he killed his brother. And so it seems like you know, Jacob and Rebekah, they're aware of this. They know they have time. There's no uh, rushing away in the dead of night. Um, he stays and he waits. And it seems also that they're, they're both well aware, Rebekah and Jacob, both well, well aware that it would be far better for him to leave home with his father's blessing on his father's good side, you know, on good terms with his father, than to just uh, run away uh, with no explanation. Uh, Morris, on this point, he writes this, Even though Jacob was confident he had received only what God wanted him to have, and therefore he would be entitled to stand and fight for what was his, both he and his mother realized it would be best for him to leave home for a while. It would be far better, of course, if he could leave in his father's goodwill rather than simply run away. And it makes sense. It would be far better for him to leave on good terms with his father than simply sneaking away without explanation. And so it seems that it's with this in mind and other concerns, as we'll see, that Rebecca now comes to Isaac and she offers him counsel, which is what we read there in verse 46, let's just read it again. It says, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? And so her counsel basically was that they should send Jacob away uh, to find a wife, to find a wife that was acceptable for Jacob as the heir of the covenant promises. Now, some uh, who have a dim view of Rebecca right throughout this whole uh, event, chapter 27 included, those who have a dim view of Rebecca, uh, they see this as being just another attempt by her to manipulate uh, the situation, to manipulate Isaac into doing what she wants him to do, uh, send Jacob away. But it seems to me that it's more than that. It seems clear, and particularly when we understand Rebecca's uh, 
you know, spirituality, as we've looked at in chapter 27 and her heart in all this, it seems clear that there is a genuine desire here that Jacob marry the right kind of woman, okay, that he finds the right wife and that he be sent on his way with his father's blessing. There's a genuine desire here. And in expressing her desire here that Jacob needs to find an appropriate wife, Rebecca points to the wives of Esau. She points to them, the daughters of Heth, to emphasize her point. As we just read there in verse 46, we won't read it again. She points to the daughters of Heth, which were the the wives that Esau had taken, and she points to them uh, to emphasize her point that Jacob needs to leave to find a godly wife, someone who will support him. Someone who will honor the Lord. Um, you know, back in chapter 26, let's just go back there. Chapter 26 and verse 34 is when we read of Esau uh, taking his two wives. Chapter 26 and verse 34. It says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. So back in chapter 26, we read of him taking these two Hittite women, the daughters of Heth, they're called here in uh, chapter uh, 27 here, verse 46, the daughters of Heth. He takes these two wives and we're told there that he displeases his parents with this. Both Jacob, sorry, Isaac and Rebekah are displeased with his decision. It brought grief to them. Because of the fact that Esau had made such a poor decision in this matter, and also because of the kind of women that they were. And we get a sense of the kind of women that they were because of uh, Rebecca's here, her expression of displeasure with Esau's wives. You see there in verse 46, it says, And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. She's like, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. In other words, she doesn't get on well with these, these two women, does she? She doesn't get on well with her daughters-in-law. She's weary of her life because of them. And you know, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it, when we consider that these two are heathen women who no doubt did not serve God, did not love God, did not honor God in anything they did. And so we can imagine they didn't respect Rebecca as they should either. And all that comes out here in this this phrase, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Gil writes this, he says, the daughters of Heth whom Esau had married Uh, who were continually vexing and teasing her by their impiety and idolatry, their irreligion and profaneness, their disobedience and contradiction, their froward temper and behavior. The point is they were ungodly women who were contrary to what the Lord wanted. And so they were against Rebecca and she felt no peace in the home with these two. You know, Esau had married ungodly women and it brought contention and trouble into the family. You know, Rebecca, you know, she was keen to see that Jacob didn't make that same mistake. You know, she was keen to see that Jacob, God's choice, which she knew he was God's choice, she was keen to make sure that he didn't follow in that sin, but instead that he would find a wife who would support him as he sought to serve the Lord, you know, not hinder him in serving God. And it does seem also that Jacob, well, it seems to me, it seems that Jacob wasn't interested in the, the heathen women either, the women sur- that, that were surrounding him, the, the women of these other nations. And I say that because you remember that Jacob at this time, he's 77 years old. 
He's 77 and yet he's still not married. His brother has been married for 37 years. He got married when they were 40. And so there's a reason why Jacob's not married, isn't there? And knowing what we do about his spirituality, which we've seen in chapter 27 and the chapters before, knowing what we do about his spiritual mindedness, it seems clear that Jacob, he's content to wait, isn't he? He's content to wait for God's choice. And he's also seemingly waiting upon his father in this regard as well. He's waiting upon his father to give him instruction in this matter. You see, he would have known that Isaac waited for his father. Okay, Abraham was the one who sought a wife for Isaac when he was 40 years old. And so, you know, we can understand that Jacob, he is waiting for Isaac to do the same, to give him instruction. You know, and in this respect, we can probably say that Isaac has failed. Uh, you know, this is just another area where Isaac has uh, failed um, because, you know, he should have sought wives for his sons long before this, shouldn't he? Really. He should have sought for wives for them long before this time. You know, his father, Abraham, had sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife when he was 40, you know, when he's 40 years old. But now, he, you know, Jacob's here, he's 77, and Isaac has still not done this for his sons. And so we can say that he's failed in this area towards his sons. You know, perhaps this is part of the reason why Esau, when he was 40, rushed out and married these Hittite women. You know, perhaps he was not content to wait any longer. He was, you know, sick of waiting, and so he just rushed out and did what he wanted. But in any case, we see that Jacob, unlike his brother, he's waited patiently all these years. He's remained unmarried. He's waiting for God's timing in this matter. And from chapter 28 now, verse 1 and 2, we see that Isaac, he listens to the counsel of Rebekah, and he calls for Jacob to come before him. And that's our second point this morning. We see Isaac's charge. Isaac's charge. Just read there with me, verse 1. It says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Pandanaram, uh, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So here we see Isaac's charge now to Jacob. Now, as we saw last Sunday, you know, Isaac had unknowingly blessed Jacob. You know, when Jacob came in, he, he believed it was Esau, and he believed he was blessing Esau when he gave the blessing. And he tried to go against the will of God in doing that. But as we saw, God had overruled him. And when he saw, when he understood that God had overruled him, understood God's choice, we saw him surrender to God's choice, surrender to God's will concerning Jacob. He acknowledged that Jacob was God's choice and Jacob would indeed be blessed. Let's go back to chapter 27 with me in verse 33. In chapter 27, verse 33, it says, And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. You know, we saw, talked about the fact that Isaac trembled when he realized what had happened. He trembled. He trembled before God. And then he humbled himself and he declared, he said, yea, and he shall be blessed. That was him expressing his faith and his acceptance of God's choice. And so having surrendered to God's choice, that Jacob is God's man, Isaac now, like Rebekah, 
He wants Jacob to marry right, doesn't he? Okay, he wants Jacob now to, to find a godly wife. And so he calls for him and he charges him not to take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, as we see there in verse 1. It says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Now Morris writes concerning this verse, he says, Rebecca's counsel quickly convinced Isaac, still shaken from the recent events and no longer in any mood, to try to delay or thwart God's purposes. He called Jacob and he gave him strict instructions not to marry a Canaanite woman. You see, finally what we see here is Isaac and Rebekah in agreement, don't we? Before this, they're, they're against each other because Isaac's trying to do the wrong thing. He's trying to disobey the will of God. But now we see them both in agreement. We see them both working together for the glory of God in seeking to find a godly wife for their son. And the words that Isaac speaks here to Jacob are almost the same words that Abraham had spoken long ago concerning Isaac's marriage. Just go back to chapter 24 with me. In chapter 24 and verse uh, 3, these are the words Abraham spake to his servant, probably Eliezer. Okay, chapter 24, verse 3, says, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. It's very similar wording. It's almost the exact same wording. You see, Abraham had sought a godly wife for his son Isaac, and we talked about that, and he sent him, sent the servant to go and find him where? Amongst his brethren back in Haran. And now we see Isaac doing the same thing for Jacob. He finally does the same thing. You know, he'd seen his father seek a godly wife for him, and now he seeks to do the same thing for Jacob. As we said, this is something he should have taken care of long before this. It was long overdue, but finally we see him issue this charge to Jacob, the heir of the covenant blessing. He tells him to go and find a wife amongst their relatives back in Haran. There as we read in verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Pardanaram to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Now what we see here is we see both parents unified in their desire. Their desire that their son not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. That is their unified desire, isn't it? You know what 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 tells us. Just quickly turn over there. We know the verse, but... Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? That's what we see here. We see both parents, we see Isaac and Rebecca unified in this desire that their son not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. You know, they'd seen firsthand the problems that came from an ungodly union, hadn't they? They'd seen it in the life of Esau. You know, as we just talked about, you know, Esau's wives had caused uh, problems in the home. And indeed, you know, Rebecca, she says, I'm weary of life because of them. So they'd seen this firsthand. Esau's wives had done nothing to help his spirituality. Now, don't get me wrong. Esau was a carnal man on his own, but his wives had not helped him, had they? 
They had not helped his situation. You see, they knew that Jacob, God's man, the ones from whom all these promises would be fulfilled, Jacob needed a godly wife. He needed someone who would support him. He needed someone who served the same God. And as far as they knew, the only place to find such a woman was back in Haran amongst their relatives, their brethren. You know, both parents here this morning, we see the desire that I'm sure every Christian parent here this morning has for their children, don't we? You know, every Christian parent has this desire for their children. We want our children, when they're old enough, to find a husband, to find a wife who loves and serves God. That they not be unequally yoked. You know, we want them to find someone who will support them, someone who will encourage them as they seek to serve the Lord. You know, as parents, that is our earnest prayer, isn't it? For our children, from the moment they're born, we pray these prayers for our children because we're concerned for them. And we know that that is a prayer that's according to God's will, don't we? That is a prayer that's according to His will. And our God has someone for our children if it's His will they get married. And if they will surrender and wait for Him. You know, they have to do their part. They have to surrender and wait for Him. But that's our earnest desire. That's our earnest prayer, just like it was Isaac and Rebekah's earnest desire for Jacob here. Now, after giving Jacob this charge concerning a wife, Isaac then proceeds to reiterate the blessing. Just go back there to chapter 28. He reiterates the blessing now unto Jacob. Verse 3, it says, And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. He reiterates the blessing. Now in these words here in verses 3 and 4, what we see is another demonstration of Isaac's faith and acceptance of God's will, of God's choice of Jacob over Esau. You see, the first time he'd given the blessing, he'd spoken it not knowing that it was Jacob, okay, believing it was Esau. But now as he reiterates the blessing, he knows he's speaking to Jacob, doesn't he? He knows And he makes clear here with these words his acceptance of God's will as he states the blessing uh, even clearer, if you like, in even clearer words than before. And the words spoken here are very similar to the words that God had spoken to him in chapter 26. In chapter 26 and verse 3, these are the words the Lord spoke to Isaac. Chapter 26, verse 3, it says, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I'll make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. This is very similar wording now. He basically reiterates these words the Lord spoke to him. He reiterates those words now to Jacob. He assures Jacob of this blessing, if you like. And he's saying it in faith, understanding this is God's choice, acknowledging Jacob as the one through whom all these covenant promises will be fulfilled. And then he sends Jacob on his way. We see that in verse 5 there. It says, And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to uh, Padanaram unto Laban, <coughs> son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. 
<coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Here we see our third point this morning. We see now Jacob's obedience. <coughs> Jacob's obedience. Now, Jacob's obedience here is stated very simply in verse 5, isn't it? You know, verse 5, it says, And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went. And he went to Pardanaram unto Laban. Jacob went. He went as his father and his mother had instructed him unto Laban, his uncle, to find a wife. He didn't go somewhere else. He didn't deviate from the path. He went where he was instructed. He went and looked where he was told to look. He followed the wisdom of his parents. You know, his obedience might be simply stated, but I don't think we can overlook it, can we? Overlook the importance of it. You see, Jacob, as we mentioned a few times this morning, he's 77 years old. He's 77. He's his own man, isn't he? He's definitely old enough to be making his own decisions. You know, to do whatever he wants, if you like. And Esau, he certainly did that, didn't he? He certainly did whatever he wanted. You see, that was the difference between the two brothers, wasn't it? That was the difference. Esau, as Hebrews 12 verse 16 says, he was a fornicator and a profane man. You know, he lived for the carnal pleasures of life. He lived to please only himself. Not the Lord. He didn't seek to please God and he didn't seek to please his parents in these matters. You know, he perfectly fits the description of men in the last days. Just turn over to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> I was reading this passage this week and it just fits Esau. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then it goes on. It doesn't Esau fit that description? You know, Esau was a man who was a lover of pleasure, a lover of him own, his own self. He despised those that did good. He despised his brother. He was disobedient to his parents. I mean, Esau fits this description perfectly. He pleased himself, and, and that showed in his choice of wives. He pleased himself. He did what he wanted. He certainly didn't care what God wanted, and he didn't care what his parents wanted either. He didn't care that it hurt his parents. He didn't care that it went against the will of God. But Jacob, however, Jacob, even at the age of 77, Jacob shows respect unto the wishes of his parents, doesn't he? And he listens to the wisdom of his parents. He listens to the instruction of his mother and his father and he obeys. You know, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 tells us that this is the token of a good son. Just go over there, Proverbs 1. <clears throat> Proverbs 1, verse 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. The token of a good son is that he hears the instruction of his father and he forsakes not the law of his mother. Jacob fits that description, doesn't he? Even though he's 77, he still respects his parents. He still heeds their instruction. He still listens to their wisdom. 
You know, this obedience and this respect that he has for his parents stems from his spiritual mindedness, doesn't it? It stems from his heart. You know, it's because he sought the spiritual that he responds in the right way concerning these things. You know, that he doesn't just ignore his parents. He responds in the right way because of his heart, because he had a love for the spiritual, because he sought the Lord. Now, we've talked about the fact that he didn't always go about the right way, but his heart was in the right place. He was seeking the spiritual. That's because of that he responds in the right way concerning these things. Now, as we said, probably the reason he wasn't already married like his brother is because of this spiritual concern. He's concerned to wait for God's choice and to wait for the instruction of his father. You see, the point is that Jacob's part in all of this cannot be overlooked, can it? His obedience and his reverence, his respect for his parents. It cannot be overlooked. And you know, young people, Jacob's response emphasizes your responsibility. It emphasizes your responsibility. You see, you must be willing to obey God. And when it comes to, uh, sorry, obey God when it comes to these matters in your own life. And you know, that means, first of all, respecting your parents. That means being willing to heed their instruction, to listen to their words of wisdom, no matter how old or independent you may be. That's an important thing to understand, isn't it? To listen and to heed the instruction of our parents. You know, they have wisdom. In Ephesians 6 verse 2, we know well, honor thy father and mother, respect thy father and mother. You know, obeying God also means being willing to wait patiently upon him, doesn't it? And we've seen that extensively in the book of Genesis. Wait upon the Lord. And that, you know, comes out again here with Jacob, doesn't it? He's 77 and he's still waiting upon the Lord. And young people, if you're going to obey God, it means waiting upon the Lord in these matters in your own life. Wait for God to bring his choice across your path. You know, God is good, isn't he? God is good. And God will not withhold any good thing from those who are seeking his will. I read this this week in Psalm 84. Just turn there. I'm sure we know this verse. That's a, a wonderful verse. Psalm 84. <clears throat> Psalm 84, verse 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You notice that? No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now what that means is that you can be confident, young people, that if it is God's will, if it is good for you to be married, then he will not withhold that good thing from you. You notice that? If it's good for you, God will not withhold that good thing from you as you walk upright before him. Now that's a wonderful truth, isn't it? That's something that Jacob had to learn. He had to wait patiently upon the Lord and he respected his parents. He listened to their wisdom. And young people, we can follow that example here today. Follow the example of Jacob and understand the goodness of God. And fourthly and lastly, now we see Esau's response. We see Esau's response. Go back to Genesis 28 with me. And verse 6. <clears throat> verse 6 says, And when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to but then a ram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and was gone to 
Padanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of uh, Nebajoth, uh, to be his wife. You know, in these verses now we see Esau's response. You know, Esau, he's observed all these things. He's watched as Jacob has been called into his uh, father's tent and he's, he's heard what his father said to him, you know, that he's reiterated the blessing once more and he's now sent his brother away with this charge not to find a wife amongst the Canaanites but to go and find one amongst their brethren back in Haran. Okay, that's what it says there in verse 6 and 7. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, and sent him to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and then, uh, sorry, and that he had blessed him and given him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. And so he's seen this taking place. He, he understands what's happened in the tent, okay? He knows what's taking place. And having seen this, Esau is now even more aware of his parents' displeasure or disapproval, if you like, of the choice of his wives. You know, in particular, his father's disapproval. I mean, that's what he says in verse 8. It says, And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father. In particular, you know, he sees that it doesn't please his father. He sees that his father's not pleased with the choice of wives. And so Esau now, he makes a vain attempt to try and rectify the problem, if you like. He makes a vain attempt to try and please his father, to get back on good terms with, with dad. You know, get back in his good, good eyes and, you know, in his sight of blessing once more. That's what we read here in verse 9. It says, Then went Esau to, unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. And so Esau decides what he's going to do. He's going to take yet another wife. Now remember, he already has two wives. He already has two wives. So he's already gone against God's design. And now he takes a third. And so already we see that he's not following God in this, is he? Okay? He's not seeking to please the Lord. He's not seeking what honors God. And by adding, to a, adding a third wife, all he's doing is adding to his sin, isn't he? Okay? He's just adding to his sin. He's not making things better. He's adding to it. But he thought that if he took a wife that was more pleasing to his father, perhaps he could get back in his father's good graces, you know, maybe even receive a blessing from his father. And so his solution, as we just read in verse 9, is to take a wife from the daughters of Ishmael. You know, we can see his logic, can't we? You know, Jacob has been told to go and find a wife amongst the daughters of their uncle Laban. And so Esau says, well, I'll go and take a wife from the daughters of our uncle Ishmael. You can see his logic, can't you? You can understand how he arrives at this conclusion. You know, without doubt, the daughters of Ishmael were a better choice than the daughters of Heth. Yes, that's true. You know, but the problem was that Ishmael here and his descendants, they'd already been cast out by God, hadn't they? You know, there is a reason why Jacob was not told to go and find a wife amongst the daughters of Ishmael. There's a reason he was sent back home. Because that's where the, the godly women were to be found. That's where he was told to go. You see, the problem for Esau here is that he's simply reacting to what he has witnessed, isn't he? He's simply reacting to what he has witnessed. And his response shows us that he is living according to worldly human wisdom, isn't he? 
He's, he's living according to human wisdom. You know, we still do not see Esau anywhere humble himself before God. We do not see him admit his sin before God. There's no genuine desire to please God in his actions. There's simply a desire to get back in his father's good graces. You know, perhaps to get a blessing. You know, we sadly see no desire for the spiritual in Esau. You know, his response here is driven purely by carnal fleshly desires. That's really what it boils down to. You see, once again in this whole story, we see the contrast between the two brothers, don't we? The contrast is clear. In Jacob, we have a man who respected his parents and a man who sought God's will in these matters and he waited upon the Lord. Esau, we see a man who lived according to the flesh and he lived according to the wisdom of the world. You know, it's clear to us why God chose Jacob and he rejected Esau, isn't it? You know, this morning as we consider this passage and we consider the, uh, the sending of Jacob to go and find a wife, you know, the challenge for us as parents, you know, is to seek to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they might seek the Lord and by God's grace make wise choices when they're older. You know, obviously we can't make those decisions for them, can we? We can instruct them. But ultimately, they have to choose to follow God's wisdom or the wisdom of the world. And we have to earnestly pray for them, and I know we do. Earnestly pray for our children in this regard. And young people, the challenge for you is to determine to be like Jacob. Be like Jacob. Seek the Lord and his will first. Heed the instruction of your father and your mother and wait patiently upon the Lord. Now pray earnestly for the Lord to help you to make wise choices. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word today. We thank you yet again, Lord, for the example that we find here in the life of Jacob. And Lord, in particular, Lord, his willingness to heed the instruction of his father and mother, the respect he showed, and Lord, the desire for the spiritual, the desire to find your choice in his life. Lord, may you help us all to be like Jacob. Lord, the young people here to be like Jacob as they uh, seek uh, your choice for them. And Lord, help us as parents to earnestly pray for our children and to earnestly uh, seek the right uh, one for them in that sense as well. And Lord, help us to instruct them and pray for them. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.